a seat. So as uh, John mentioned, uh, we are kicking off a new series here tonight. And um, hopefully it's a series that really does help us um, remember and engage with the fact that Christianity is amazing. Um, I've often said that um, I would not trade places with someone who doesn't know Jesus for a million dollars. And I stand by that. I don't think there is actually a price point where I would be willing to trade in my faith or to part company with Jesus. Uh, We worship a good and beautiful God. There is no scientific theory, no other religion, no worldview that is able to compete with Christianity in both its beauty, but also in its breadth, in its ability to make sense of uh, the whole world, the whole of life. Uh, I think Christianity offers us a hope that is unrivaled by any other faith, any other theory, and yet it is also robust. Uh, it is able to hold the complexity of life and the pain that we do experience in the world in which we live. There is a reason why people all over the world and all throughout history um, choose to worship Jesus even in the face of great risk, where they might be imprisoned, where they might even lose their life. People choose to submit their lives to Jesus because he's worth it. And Christianity is amazing. We worship a good and beautiful God, a God who isn't distant, uh, but a God who actually chooses to move towards us, a God that chooses to embrace us, to meet us uh, where we are. And while this is 100% true, I believe this wholeheartedly, tonight we are beginning a series that is titled The Real Inconvenient Truth where we want to go face-to-face with the reality that um, worshipping God is complex. Um, It isn't always as simple or as easy as we want it to be, and sometimes it is actually quite challenging. There are so many worship songs, inspirational posters, bookmarks, t-shirts, mugs, wristbands, etc. out there. You can go to Kurong and find all these things, and they paint... Uh, you know, the picture that becoming a Christian uh, solves all our problems, that it will make our life easy or perfect. Um, Now, not all of them do this, but some of them uh, certainly do. Uh, Tonight, I want to take a look at a few classic examples where uh, people pluck a verse out of Scripture, you know, a beautiful, um, heartwarming, encouraging verse that, you know, gives us a a warm fuzzy, um, encourages us, But perhaps it's not really um, what is meant uh, when it was originally written. I'm going to call this segment, You Keep Using That Verse, But I Do Not Think It Means What You Think It Means. Uh, So first up, I'm sure that probably most of us will have heard this one spoken out from a stage or, you know, from someone who's praying for us or or on the cover of a Bible even. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11 Uh, And it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, these are beautiful, encouraging words, aren't they? 
Most often, though, when I hear them quoted, it's just quoted like that, just that one verse. Uh, But the real inconvenient truth is that this is in the midst of a passage where the prophet is telling people that you are about to be conquered. You're about to be captives uh, for 70 years. You're going to be exiled to another land. And it's in that context that the prophet is saying God's plans are good. But we don't often remember that bit when we're, we're quoting it in the moment, do we? How about Philippians chapter 4, verse 13? So on. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You'll be doing the 3,000 push-ups because Christ will give you strength. What a great encouragement for Christians. But the real inconvenient truth is that the verse before it says this, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. What Paul is saying here is that God has given him grace and strength to face and live through really difficult circumstances where he has had to suffer in living out the call that God has placed on his life. How about Romans chapter 8, verse 31? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Now, we actually just sang words that are very much along these lines. And there is truth in these words. And I don't want us to miss this tonight. There is truth in all of these things. But I've heard this verse used so many times as an encouragement that God is always on our side. God will always overcome those who stand in our way. But once again, that's actually not what Paul was saying in this passage. He was speaking about a spiritual truth that nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's what he was getting at. Um, He was kind of pointing to the fact that Satan has no power to take away the gift of eternal life that Jesus has bought for us. He can't come and accuse us before God and take that away. That's what Paul was talking about. In fact, just a couple of verses later, this is what Paul writes. This is um, maybe two verses later, I think. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. It's very easy for us to grab, you know, a verse of scripture that we really like um, and just use it sometimes in ways that perhaps uh, are not faithful to what was originally written. If we're not careful, we can build a picture of our faith that, that is actually not a full picture. And it's not just verses. Uh, there are songs, I think, that sometimes we need to handle very carefully. Um, I love it when worship leaders uh, take a moment to introduce new songs, and share some of the the themes and complexities that are in them. I know we sing one here that, um, you know, there's there's no sorrow that heaven can't heal. And I believe that. 
but not all our sorrows are healed this side of eternity. And we have to hold our faith with the, the fullness, with the complexity that it can bring. Sometimes I think we are guilty of um, just wanting to uh, come and, and say all the nice things, uh, sell all the best ideas that we have about faith, that we can actually lose sight of the challenges that our faith can bring as well. We can end up painting a picture that is um, a little bit like uh, Christianity being the icing on the top of a cake. So I don't know if there's any people here who bake and, and make cakes. Um, I've made cakes before. Sometimes they come out of the oven and they don't look like that. Sometimes they have, you know, dimples and cracks. Sometimes there's burnt bits. And, and sometimes I think we run the risk of selling Christianity as this thing that we, just, we can put over all of the cracks, over all of the lumps and bumps, and, and it will just make everything beautiful. Just add Jesus to your life and he will make everything better. Now, in part, I actually believe this. I 100% believe that life is better with Jesus. I believe his plans are always, always better than ours. I believe that he wants to meet us with grace and strength in every circumstance. I believe his plans for us are good. But it doesn't mean that they are simple. It doesn't mean that they are easy. And if we have the picture that uh, accepting Jesus means he is going to come to us and and kind of wave uh, a magic wand over our lives just to make everything wonderful, like adding icing to a cake that didn't quite go right, I think we we end up setting ourselves up for confusion, disappointment. Uh, When life gets challenging or difficult, if that's our picture we can find ourselves going, well, faith doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. Because not all cakes turn out the way we want them to. (laughs) Not much more to say. (laughs) Sometimes we we have a picture, a plan, an idea uh, of what things should look like but they don't quite turn out exactly how we had hoped. And I think we can do the same thing in life. Uh, We can uh, have the ideal picture. We can have our dreams and our hopes, but there are times where they don't always work out. And if we have clung so tightly, is clung even a word? Can you say that? Clinged? Clinged. Clung? Clung. I've never used that word. If we have clung so tightly to a picture that is different to the picture that Jesus has for us, man, we can wind up in a place feeling really disappointed. So my hope for us as a community is that we will uh, be a community that builds a full understanding of the gospel, a full picture of what our faith is about, that we will build a robust faith that can trust Jesus in and through uh, circumstances that may be we weren't looking for. Maybe we didn't want. I don't want us to be a community that simply 
uh, dreams up ideas or grabs the bits and pieces that we like, only to be lost in confusion later. Now, there's probably no single picture um, of Christianity that that really covers everything, that can fully capture what life as a follower of Jesus is like. But tonight, I want us to use the image of a cake. I want to use that picture, and I want us to ask the question, if life is a cake, which part of the cake is our faith? So if life was a cake, which part of that picture uh, would be Christianity? Which part would be our faith? Or which part would be Jesus, if you wanted to um, phrase it differently? Well, to help us answer this question, I want to open up to the book of James, chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles uh, with you and you want to follow along, open up to James, chapter 2, and we're going to read from verses 14 to 24. James chapter 2, 14 to 24. It reads this. Uh, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a, a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish! Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do not by faith alone. I want to ask you the question here. What kind of a picture does James paint of the Christian faith? James was writing to a community of people who, uh, in many ways, had come to view Christianity a bit like it was, just the icing on the cake. Like Jesus was something you could just add into your existing life and you could enjoy the promises and the rewards of redemption and salvation. Uh, But it was something that actually happened spiritually and didn't really change your life here and now. Believing in Jesus for them brought eternal salvation, but it didn't change life now. People had come to believe that 
that Jesus did everything uh, spiritually. But what they did, what they did, kind of didn't really matter. Christianity was something that you could add on top of your life. That's, that's one of the themes that was coming up in this community that James writes and says, no, no. Actually, that's not Christianity. Jesus didn't come just so we can get a ticket into heaven when we die. He came to invite us into eternal life now. In this passage, he says, even the demons believe in God. They understand who he is. Simply coming to the point where you know who God is or you, know, you confess with your lips, that's not the full picture. Christianity isn't simply about you know, getting our theology lined up at a head level. And so I want to say tonight that if, Chris, if life is like a cake, Christianity isn't the icing. It's not something you can just add on without changing the cake, without changing our lives. In James's picture, Christianity is something that is life-altering. He says the cake will be changed. Believing in Jesus means that our actions will change. The way that we live will change. Faith and actions are connected. Faith is not simply something that God does around us or that he does to us. It is something that we embrace, something that we are called to participate in. One of the Bible passages that I know uh, many of us here at Mosaic have come to love is uh, from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. And uh, so often we read it from the message translation, which I'll do tonight as well. Here Jesus says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. I love this passage. In this passage, Jesus paints very clearly the picture that uh, he has not called us to be slaves. Some people read James and they, they get a picture. In fact, I heard someone say this morning, James is like the Leviticus uh, of the New Testament. That James is about law. It's about rules. It's about regulations. Some people read James and get that impression But the picture that Jesus paints here uh, is that faith isn't that simple. It's not just uh, rules and, and things that we have to do. Christianity is not a picture of a God who's cracking a whip. But at the same time, Jesus says, walk with me and work with me. Is a picture of partnership. We are called to work. 
called to participate, called to learn from him. One thing that this message version, this translation from Eugene Peterson misses, though, is the original language, the imagery that Jesus points to here. Uh, In other translations, it says, take my yoke upon you. Jesus points to uh, the picture of two oxen who are plowing a field and that they wear a yoke so that they are partnered together, they are linked together. Neither one can go rushing ahead and leaving the other behind. It's a picture of partnership. In John 10, 27, Jesus tells us that his followers, his sheep in, in this passage, will listen to his voice and they will follow him. So the picture of our faith that Jesus gives isn't one where he simply does things for us or that he simply adds things to our life or that he changes things around us. It is a picture where we go with him, where we let him change our life because we participate in that. So if life is a cake, which part is our faith? I want to suggest tonight that if life is a cake, Christianity is actually the plate, or in this case, a cardboard box. The picture that Jesus gives us uh, isn't that he has come just to add a cherry on top or something sweet to our life and that we just keep living and keep going the same as we always have. The, the picture that he paints is that he's inviting us to embrace a new life. To move from living in the kingdom of this world to living in the kingdom of light, to living in the kingdom of God. He has come to give us a new identity, a new way of understanding, a new way of living and being. Jesus has come to invite us to build our whole life on him. Everything. It's what the cake sits on. That's what our faith is. In Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 24 to 27, Jesus says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains come and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So I want to propose that Jesus actually wants to give us a new foundation for our life. He wants to give us something to build our life on. But there's a challenge with this picture. If you bought this lovely cake uh, and you wanted to move it from the box to the cake stand, how would you want to do that? 
carefully. Right. You probably wouldn't just want to, you know, pick the cake up and, and just upend it on, on the cake stand, right? That's probably not what you would be going for. You would want to move this cake across in pristine condition. You would want it to be unchanged. And, you know, I think there's a bit of a risk of that for us with our lives when we come to Jesus. When it comes to our lives, we can be a lot like that. We, we can look at Jesus and we can know that, you know, he is good. His plans are good. He's much prettier than a cardboard box. But at the same time, we, we don't often like the idea that, that it might mean change. That there might be things about our life that, that maybe Jesus wants to adjust. I want to read one more passage for us tonight uh, from Revelation. So we uh, looked at one of the seven letters to the seven churches last week, so I thought we, we might continue that tradition and read another one. Uh, so I want to read from Revelation chapter 3, 17 to 21. It says this, this is Jesus speaking. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be ashamed at your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Sometimes we look at our life and we think it looks beautiful. We like it uh, just the way it is. Sometimes we don't want it to change. We see that we are rich. We see that we have what we need. We see that we're comfortable. And we don't like the idea sometimes that maybe Jesus has a different picture. We don't like the idea that maybe Jesus wants to leave some of the bits of cake behind. Maybe there's some bits that he wants to turn over. Maybe there's some parts that he wants to make bigger, some ingredients that we've left out. What if building our life on Jesus means that our cake will look different? You know, I think sometimes what we want to do is just... Beautiful. We found Jesus, nothing changes. You know, we've, we've tried to put the two together. I don't know, would you do that if you, like, you were preparing for a fancy party? You pay, I mean, this, this cake costs 40 bucks, right? You're just going to leave it sitting on the cardboard box? 
Is that what you do if, if it was your party, your wedding, you know, a celebration? Why bother having the cake stand at all? What's the point? I don't think we would do that with a cake. But, you know, sometimes I think we, we do that with life. Now, I should have picked a bigger table. Is anyone happy to come and be a volunteer and pretend to be a table? I just need someone to hold my cake. Yeah, come on. Uh, yeah, all right, all right. You can have a piece of cake. <laughs> all right. You just need to pick this bit of cake up and uh, just hold it nice and steady for me. So I actually don't want to propose that when we come to follow Jesus that, that he just wants to grab the cake and turn the whole thing upside down and make a big mess. I, I don't think that would be a right picture to leave you with. But, you know, I do wonder, you know, maybe there's... Can we do this? This is a sponge cake. This could be dangerous. Maybe there are some pieces of cake, right? Some pieces of our life that Jesus go, actually, I love that bit. You know, I love... (laughs) I love those things about you. You know, I don't want to remove that. I don't want to change that. I have already made you to be um, a certain way, and I don't want to change that. And, and so maybe there's some bits that, that are like that, but the question I want us to ask is, are we, are we ready and are we open for you know, Jesus to go, well, actually, there are some bits that are just, we're going to leave that bit behind. And we're going to put this bit, we're going to take that bit. I like the white chocolate bit, we'll, we'll take that too. Um, but not all of it will move across at the same rate at the same time not not everything will be nice and neat and maybe actually yeah that's it maybe there's a lot of pruning to go on some of the busyness some of the the things that we have um, set up to be the source of our life the thing that we really love maybe jesus wants to say my plan for you to have life and life in abundance is that that doesn't come. You can just sit that down if you like. So we do actually have supper tonight. It may not look pretty anymore, but there are plenty of forks and we're going to enjoy this in just a moment. The real inconvenient truth is that if we build our life on Jesus, he's a solid foundation, but it, it may mean our life needs to change. And I want to ask you tonight, is that the kind of picture that you have of faith? Are you coming to Jesus with an honesty that says, I am actually open to you being the foundation. I am open to shifting some of my hopes, my dreams, my beliefs from this world into your kingdom, into an eternal picture that you want me to join in with, to be a part of.
Tonight, the prayer team opened up an opportunity for us to look at pictures, uh, to actually look and see if there are images there that speak to us, things that God wants to say to us. And I want to add to that invitation and ask, are there, when you go and you look at cards like that, when you sit down uh, to meet with Jesus, when you walk with him, when you pray, when you worship, when you approach opportunities to open a conversation with God, do you come ready for him to actually set the direction and the agenda? Or do you come asking him to place the strawberries on top? Saying, God, this is what I need. This is what I know. This is what I want. And so the conversation just narrows right down to the thing that you hope for, the thing that you want. What does your picture look like? I'm going to leave us with that question. I'm going to pray for us um, as the worship team come back up. But I want you to just pause for a moment. Uh, think back over your, your prayer life, your walk with Jesus. What do the conversations look like? Who starts them? Who finishes them? Are you coming to listen to Jesus' voice, to follow his ways? Or are you coming and asking him to do the things that you want him to do? God, I want to pray for us that we will be a people who bring all of who we are to you. God, that we will be a people who want to meet with you in authenticity. God, help us to be a people who come to you with humility. And when we sing songs and when we read words that claim that your ways are higher than our ways will you help us to believe those words will you help us to hold our life open-handedly before you and say yes jesus i want to hear i want to see i want to know the things that you want to reshape the things that you want to grow and the things that you want to prune I don't want to live this life just through my eyes, through my dreams, my hopes. God, will you help us to pray those prayers? And God, as we do, I really want to pray over everyone here that John 10, 27 would be a truth for each one of us that we would know your voice. That you would know us, you would speak to us, we would know your voice, and we would choose to follow you. God, help us to build our whole lives 
on you. And help us to see that that is not a foundation that is as big as 10 years or 50 years or 100 years. But you are shaping us and calling us into an eternal life. And it begins now. God, help us to trust you with all of who we are. Amen.